We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 24th edition, the final free agent RotoWire NFL podcast edition. Of course, uh, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. We've been sponsored by Yahoo all season long. I want to give them one final shout out for sticking with us in the RotoWire podcast crew. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fancy Sports and join along with me for the very last time this year, but maybe not the last time for the NFL season. Jake Letarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. We are recording this on Monday, so we are making sure that we are spending some time on Christmas Eve. Uh, this will be posted on Tuesday, though, when you're listening to it. I just got done actually doing the Monday podcast <laughs> with Jeff Erickson, so this has been a, a media trifecta run for me. Yes, yeah, so you're XM. all warmed up here. You, you had XM this morning. <laughs> you, did the, you did the Monday podcast with Jeff, so uh, I'll, try, I'll try to catch up to your level. But, uh, but yeah, it's awesome. So week 17, it's always really tough, right? we got to talk about how if your league is actually playing something meaningful week 17, right. you probably need to quit that league, yeah, number I, one. I, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. I, I made fun of all those leagues that are actually playing mm-hmm. uh, week 17 championships, yeah. but it's possible. And there's, there's a few out there. Well, 
then there's a few that still keep track of points exactly. throughout the entirety yes. of year of the year. So that's not actually as bad as you know making your your top prize on the line week seventeen. I know like our stake league, we mm-hmm. have two divisions. We have an LA division and a Madison division, and they're the winner of each division plays each other for this really big dumb unicorn trophy uh, <laughs> every single year. So that's what week seventeen is there. There are situations whether it's points or silly commissioners where it might be helpful to do some pickups. So. I guess today we're going to try to go through those pickups because there are a couple guys that are yes. emerging. It's a little bit early. Monday Night Football is going to kind of affect the playoff seeding a little bit, and uh, we don't know for sure just yet who's playing who, but we have at least a little bit of an idea, and we'll float some names out there for you, crown some award winners for best pickups of the year, and maybe have some fun later on. Yeah, normally we'd go ahead and go over them on a Monday night game. The recap, of course, we've been doing that all season long with you guys. That obviously won't be able to take place. So anybody listening, and hopefully uh, we'll have a Packers victory, but assuming the worst-case scenario, as I normally do as a pessimistic Packers fan, uh, if you are tuning in on Tuesday listening or hoping for us bitching about the Packers, that will not occur, unfortunately. <laughs> so we'll get right into it. Um, we could just talk about, like, right now, like, if we watch the game and what happened. So, <laughs> we, we so Aaron Rodgers came out and threw for 450 yards and four touchdowns in the Monday Night Football game. He's clearly the same Aaron Rodgers of old. Two touchdowns to Devontae Adams. Just just killing it. It helps me win our board bet over that. I was going to say, why are, you, why are you mentioning Aaron Rodgers going ahead yeah. and doing so well? It's because last mm-hmm. week we actually went on this very same airwaves and talked about which quarterback we'd rather have more. I took, evidently was to you, the absurd opinion that I'd rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick as my fantasy championship quarterback. You said no and went with the Rodgers direction and boy oh boy, Aaron Rodgers needs to have mm-hmm. 38 fantasy points against the Vikings this week in order to beat Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's crazy what some of these QB streamer options did, whether it be Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. or Ryan Fitzpatrick or even Andy Dalton. Yeah. Think of all, I mean, just think of all those idiots out there that uh, started guys like Patrick Mahomes over <laughs> Daniel Jones and 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, cup, or, and, yeah, and Andy Dalton. Like, geez, what were you thinking? Obviously, Mahomes was going to have a tough matchup against the Bears compared to those guys. Yeah, it, it's absolutely absurd to think that you won your fantasy championships off of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But of course. There's guys like Lamar Jackson or Christian McCaffrey that did their normal things. We're going to get to, I think, and I teased about this in the Monday podcast, a very, very early mock draft, a 2020 version of it with a first round. Jake and I will be breaking it down towards the end of this podcast, but I do want to touch on a few of these free agents to pick up because there's a bit of injuries. Of course, the Ravens are about the only team right now that have clinched anything or have nothing else to play for in Week 17, so there's enough incentive for teams. I think this will actually be one of our more interesting postseason fantasy conversations mm-hmm. in terms of free agents to be or pickups to be. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pickups, and I know when I was outlining the show, I also tossed in a couple of uh, like real cheap dynasty guys. I saw we had a sure. Twitter question about that this week, and I'm in a, not, not a dynasty league, but a keeper league where I, you know there are some guys out there that I might pick up for $0 and that could maybe have their stock grow during the offseason, depending on how the draft and free agency shakes out. Uh, don't have a ton of those guys in there, but if they came up when I was sweeping through box scores and lists this week, uh, they might be worth a mention. Yeah, I- I'm right there with you. Before we get into some of that and dive into more of the free agent pickups, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo! DFS for sports and betting fans in the New Jersey area. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Sports betting is available today at Yahoo! Sports and the Yahoo! Sports app, powered by BetMGM. Yahoo! Sportsbook, powered by BetMGM, allows fans nationwide to view betting odds across a variety of sports and users of legal age to bet in the state of New Jersey can click through the odds to place bets on BetMGM. New users 21 or older in New Jersey can make their first $10 deposit and receive $100 in free bets. Go to betmgm.com slash yahoo to get started and for a full offer terms and conditions of a course. 
Yahoo Daily Fantasy continues to launch new daily fantasy contests every day. Visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to enter NFL, NBA, or NHL contest. All right. They've got some real slick prize pools for uh, NBA on Christmas time. I was kind of looking ahead to that. They launched those Ooh. already and uh, definitely a fun way to try the something Bucks new and get on, in the action. The Bucks play, of course, we're, we're based in Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. so Wisconsin NBA makes me care most, most about that well, stuff. On Christmas. <laughs> yeah, they play yeah. on Christmas, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, so, the, 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 when you have the best player in the world, I guess you play on Christmas That's time. right, and you're one of the best teams after defeating the Los Angeles Lakers last week. All right, mm-hmm. enough NBA talk, Jake. This is an NFL podcast. How dare you try to distract me with my bucks? Let's go over and, and touch on the quarterbacks a little bit more. Again, we, we kind of rehashed this. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, about the only team that we know for certain is going to be benching mm-hmm. people. Uh, the Texans have already come out and said they're going to be playing their starters. They really don't have a lot other than number seed, number yeah. three seed, number four seed. Mm-hmm. There's a few of those teams. We're try- yeah, about. we're trying to gauge these situations the best we can. I, you know, it would... After watching Lamar Jackson take that hit against Cleveland, uh, you know, instead of running out of bounds, he got smoked. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see oh, that. Oh, no. man. Did, did he take did a he? shot? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, he got up and he was fine. But, you know, the smart thing to do, you've clinched home field through advantage throughout. Um, so, yeah, why really play anybody? Mark Ingram kind of had an injury. We might he discuss that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. he needs an MRI. Um, they're thinking he, I mean, definitely out week 17 playoffs, he's going to try to come back for. We'll see on that. Um, the only th- interesting angle is like I don't know. Do the Ravens have any incentive to keep uh, their playoff ed- eligible rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, out of the playoffs? Because they'll be uh, hosting Pittsburgh, I believe, and Pittsburgh could still get in the playoffs with a win and maybe some help. So uh, that that's interesting. But no, as of right now, I'm going to operate as if uh, you're finding a replacement for Lamar Jackson this week. I'd almost think the Ravens would want the Steelers to win, given <laughs> how bad their offense has been. Certainly the Steelers' defense has been able to keep things ugly and keep them competitive, but now Mason mm-hmm. Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges, we were going back and forth. Literally mid-game we had that, and then of course Mason Rudolph gets hurt. Doesn't seem like he's going to be able to play week 17, so we're back to Duck Hodges again as the starting quarterback, and I think yep. that that makes, if you are a postseason team in the AFC, you almost want the Steelers to get in, as opposed to the mm-hmm. Titans, who have been yep. one of the more destructive offenses mm-hmm. in the last four or five weeks. Exactly, and on the NFC side as of right now, pretty much everyone still has something to play for, even if it is just uh, seeding. Um, of course, I, I do have to brace for the possibility that the Packers lose, which means the Saints would clinch a first round bye. I guess that is actually a possibility because the Packers are five and a half point underdogs, according to Vegas last time I checked. So uh, that, that is possible. And if that happens, then we start having to think about, okay, do the, do the Saints play Breeze, Kamara, Michael Thomas, some of these big, big time fantasy assets that got you there? Well, yeah, Michael Thomas already set the single-season reception record this past week against the Titans, so maybe there's less incentive for him. I don't know record-wise what else is out there for the Saints. I'm sure there's things possible, and that's kind of one of my biggest takeaways for Week 17 if you are playing. Targeting those guys that need to set career highs or season highs or whatever else might be the way to go. And let's see if we can identify a few of them. Of course, we talked about all the streaming quarterbacks this past week. If Lamar Jackson is ruled out, I wonder if RG3 in what could be like a Matt Flynn-esque kind of game. Do you remember that a couple of years yeah, ago where he threw for 400 plus yards? I, I, st- I don't think that's happening against the Steelers defense. So the Steelers no. have a much more respectable defense with playoff hopes on the line. RG3, who I actually forgot to mention, I didn't even think to go straight to the Lamar Jackson backup. I just looked at the percent ownerships and kind of pulled my list from there. Um, he would be a viable fantasy play. I think the way that their offense is run and they still have enough ta- talented running backs and, re- and receivers 
again, depending on how much they go, if he's working with a cast of backups or if he does get some, uh, like a half out of the starters, let's say. But uh, yeah, uh, RG3 would be on that list, though probably mostly for two quarterback leagues because I think we might be able to find better uh, one-off streamers if we have to. Yeah, I would imagine if you're <laughs> if you're deciding between RG3 and maybe like a Case Keenum who is expected to fill in Dwayne Haskins at a high ankle sprain during the loss to the Giants, uh, it seems he's going to be unlikely to play next week, which is fine. He's their first-round mm-hmm. quarterback in a, a season that's gone haywire almost immediately. There's no reason to put him out there. I would rather have Keenum going, well, I don't even know who they're playing against as opposed to uh, RG3 against the Steelers. Just like the Steelers defense overall has me more concerned than whoever the Redskins might face this mm-hmm. next week. I believe they got to play spoilers against, it's either the Cowboys. It's the Eagles, one of the two, right? Yeah, it's the Cowboys. Yeah, okay. it's, I was going to say it's one of those two. Yeah, they, they've got the Cowboys this week who are, have the 13th best mark uh, in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Some other guys I looked at, um, you know, Drew Locke has the Raiders, and the Raiders do have a lot more to play for than the Broncos. But the Raiders, in the couple weeks, at least leading up to this week, had some pretty horrendous pass defense going, and we've at least seen flashes from Drew Locke. So would he be in your streaming consideration? I think I would rather have maybe a Daniel Jones, and we've really mm-hmm. been targeting the Yahoo uh, like under 50% owned rate. I don't know. He's got to be close to that maybe like in the 35 to 45 yeah he's not quite as close as as you think and maybe part of that is due to the you know his four touchdown game this past week well he was injured two weeks before Mm -hmm. like this is his first return back i don't know he's actually only 19 percent okay so i bet you you i wouldn't like if you are a lamar jackson or drew Brees owner which you mentioned potentially could be difference maker uh following the packers vikings game on monday Mm -hmm. I, i wouldn't mind going picking him up against the philly defense especially when they have Everyone's save for Evan Ingram available. We saw this past week what that passing attack is capable of. And I, I think Daniel Jones could be a, a real fantasy winner in a Week 17 matchup against the Eagles. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm all in on him if I have to pick him up. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, granted, the Eagles actually have something to play for and the Giants don't. But, uh, I mean... You couldn't. You could have fooled me last week with how the Giants played uh, against Washington. He had his uh, Daniel Jones had his third thirty point fantasy game of the season and uh, is looking to build momentum into next year. Obviously, he's the guy moving forward. Uh, out of all these quarterbacks we talked about, I think uh, we could probably be in agreement that he. He's probably the he's the top one. Oh yeah, I think very clearly Jones, and then I'd probably go Keenum, and I don't know what I'd decide between RG three and Drew Locke. I doubt you have to make that that call at all. So mm-hmm. yeah, two I, quarterback I, leagues, man, it'll happen. No, that's that's very true. I, I would be remiss not to say we are, of course, wearing our award suits. We got the the tux going on right now, so. You look at your actual outfit. No, we're not actually wearing tuxes, Jake. Don't don't be like concerned that I, we. Are. It, might, it took my brain a second to process the word award suits. I, I just saw you grab your shirt, like you know. The, yes, the, we're the, wearing the we're wearing present. tuxes. No, no, we're both in Under Armour shirts right now at the moment. <laughs> so plug. We're yes, that's actually what we're wearing. But if we were to play along with the top pickup of the year or awards that we're giving out, I think it has to be Ryan Tannehill, right, at the quarterback spot, like. Maybe if you were using Daniel Jones or something like that, I just don't know if there was a better mm-hmm. top pickup at quarterback than Tannehill. It's been great for the last as, two weeks. As a season-long QB streamer, Jones was definitely not consistent enough to warrant this pickup. He was one of the bigger fab bids at the time, but I think it definitely has to go to Ryan Tannehill with uh, 23 or more fantasy points, like pretty much every week of the playoffs, you know, 27 a couple times in there, even had that 32 point against the Jaguars. Uh, Tannehill was somebody that if you're – 
quarterback situation was in, in flux at the beginning of the year, but you still had a pretty decent team, he's one that probably carried you through the playoffs. Gardner Minshew certainly was a candidate for the first eight or, week, eight or nine weeks, and then it completely tailed off along with Jacksonville, and we've mm-hmm. kind of seen where that's gone. I don't think it's a conversation point. I think it's Tannehill all the way as your top pickup at the quarterback position. Let's go over to the running backs, though. Of course, we don't know what's going to be the result of this Packers-Vikings game as we're recording on Monday. However, we do know Dalvin Cook will be out. High ankle sprain. Alexander Madison is questionable for Monday's game. Yeah, it's entirely possible that he's active but doesn't really do much. Again, he's a high mm-hmm. ankle sprain. It's tough to expect yeah. things. And might Derek just Henry, have him on hand for an emergency so they don't have to do too many fullback carries. Yeah, sorry, C.J. Ham. You're only going to get eight carries instead of 12. And then Derrick Henry also was kind of a surprise inactive Week 16. I don't know if we know his stats yet. For I think they're expecting 17. him back Week 17. I think the whole point of him being inactive, because I was, of course, here at the office doing inactives yesterday. Right. One of the main points of him being inactive is so they could save him next week for a game that uh, was more important to win. Because I believe that they are still... Um, they've got uh, playoff aspirations in line. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're right now they're the sixth seed, even with the loss. But they're, st- they're in the driver's seat, basically, for the final spot. All they need is a win over the Texans or losses by the Steelers and Colts. And uh, Raiders, too, I think, need to lose as well. Mm-hmm. Like, if there is a situation where the Titans and Steelers lost, which is entirely possible, Texans are, accord- are expected to play their guys. Certainly the Ravens have... Maybe mm-hmm. you consider them with a third string, fourth string quarterback as the Steelers. It's entirely possible that the Raiders also have to have a chance to sneak into the playoffs, though. They, mm-hmm. I think I saw an image earlier today from ESPN. The Raiders needed 14 things to go their way from week 16 there. Halfway through, they've gotten seven of those things to work out. It's entirely possible they could get there. But it's going to depend on if Derrick Henry is healthy, I think, for the or healthy enough wonder for the what, Titans' I wonder what small animal Gruden sacrificed. Or does he have any kids? I don't know. <laughs> I sure have no idea what John Gruden's uh, home life is. Just watching uh, – oh, boy. Oh, my God. I'm blanking on the show. Um, hard knocks. Just watching Hard Knocks earlier this year. I don't want anything to do with like uh, John Gruden his home life yeah. at all. That's a reality don't, show. Don't, that, I care not to peek behind the curtain. Yeah, there. no, no, yeah. no, no reality show needed for the Gruden family. Okay, but here we go back to the running back. Sorry about mm-hmm. that. Uh, so all that was said to say basically <laughs> that uh, Derrick Henry probably going to be back week seventeen. Deion Lewis actually had a decent game in a tough matchup. Yep. Again, brings some of that dynamic. They got their third stringer in a little bit, but I think with uh, the season on the line, Henry's going to be back and back to a regular workload. So we can probably uh, we can probably scratch Deion Lewis off the list of possible playoff starters. The biggest focus probably needs to be Mark Ingram, who almost certainly will not play week seventeen. He's having an MRI right now. Appeared to injure his calf late in that win over the Browns in week 16. Gus Edwards and Justice Hill should be enough this week against the Steelers. I don't know if you want to start them or if you really feel a need to. If you're in the championships in week 17, you probably have better options than those guys. However, mm-hmm. I've been impressed with Justin Justice Hill as a prospect. He was kind of a guy that we both considered in best ball leagues or, or very late round drafts uh, to go with. And they could try to get him more involved in case they need him in this postseason, but the Ravens have now potentially three weeks to really get right and get healthy. Yeah, oddly enough, I would I would lean towards Gus Edwards being the guy just because after Ingram left, Edwards was uh, was much more involved. Um, we don't have snap counts quite yet from Week 16 up on the website, but Edwards has been uh, you know over Justice Hill pretty much for the duration of the season. They'd both see a, a bit of an increase, but Correct. I think if I had to pick up, chances are, I mean, if you're making this move, both of them are out there, and if I had to pick, I, I would lean towards Gus Edwards. Yeah, and we were on Adrian Peterson this past week, given what he could do. He kind of fell into the end zone uh, to salvage his fantasy day. If he's available, 
Uh, I think he was under 50% owned in Yahoo leagues last week. He's probably close to that threshold again this week. Obviously, I'm going AP, even even with a tougher matchup against the against the Cowboys. I think that's the better direction. But if you're trying to struggle to replace a Mark Ingram, you yeah, Gus Edwards makes a little bit more sense. He's been getting more of the carries. You mm-hmm. could also go with a Miles Gaskins, who has now finally and clearly surpassed your boy, Patrick Laird, uh, <laughs> in the Dolphins' backfield. I don't know what you're getting from the running attack from the Dolphins. But Especially I, against the Patriots. I'm saying I know you're getting some offense, though, from the Dolphins, and I get it. They're playing the Patriots. There isn't real big incentive for the Dolphins to do anything. Of course, they're in position yeah. to maybe get a high draft pick. But I I feel like they're on to something with Miles Gaskins now finally getting the carries out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's the end of the list. I'm just kind of tossing names out there in hopes of uh, – because we're going to get some surprise scratching situations, especially uh, – Yes. So it's not a bad idea to stockpile these kind of wild card guys that at least you know is, are going to play just to give yourself options if you do have anything on the line. Well, 17. it benefited people who picked up Mike Boone uh, on Tuesday or Monday. And, you know, mm-hmm. we sat here this past week and I was like, there's no way. There's no way they're going to rule out Dalvin Cook. I'm eating crow right now. Here we are. So it, mm-hmm. it could make some dividends for you out there that are trying to replace Mark Ingram. That's kind of how I feel the running back position from the waiver wire perspective has been all season long, though. Like we struggled to find the top pickup of the year at the running back. It's probably mm-hmm. Raheem Mostert. I think you could have made a case at uh, portions of the season for maybe even a Wayne Gallman in that one and a half game stretch over Saquon Barkley. Gallman didn't really do anything. I though. Know. I mean, Gallman is pretty much maybe slightly more useful than Ty Johnson. You know, we can <laughs> yeah, throw these yeah. names. We can throw these names out at the year, but all the big ticket pickups this year, and this won't always be the case. But all the big ticket pickups at running back were uh, essentially busted. And unless you unless you snag Mostert, he had who had the big game early in the season, then kind of leveled out for a while, and then all of a sudden became the number one back late in the year. Um, he was probably the best running back pickup. I mean, I got a couple good weeks out of both Scarborough and Stake League, but uh, obviously Darius you're not starting Geist him could now. have been there too, but yeah. he was drafted everywhere, then dropped after the injury. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got maybe three to four weeks out of him, and even then it was mm-hmm. sharing time with Adrian Peterson. Yeah, definitely not as sexy as wide receiver in terms of uh, what was out there on the waiver yeah, wire this year. I feel like year, we so. could have five different wide receivers be number one overall top mm-hmm. pickups, and exactly. running back's not even close to Yeah, that. Yeah, wherever we put the top running back, it'll be – yeah, definitely outside the top five in terms of overall pickups on the season because, yeah, it was just uh, it was carnage and you know there wasn't a whole lot to exploit at that position and just kind of shows again that you got to shore, shore up that position as much as you can on draft day. Yeah, and why you want to invest those higher picks in the running back spot? I mean, they've been disappointments. We talked about Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara. Both those guys finally had get-right games in Week 16, but if you made it to the fantasy championships, you probably weren't relying on them anyway. So uh, let's move over to the wide receivers. We talked about it a little bit. Um, Case Keenum now likely to be the starting quarterback for the Redskins. Steve Sims had two touchdowns against the Giants, who, of course, have been bad and have been bad all season long in the secondary. Against the Cowboys, I don't know what offense they're getting from the Redskins, especially if they're going to rely on Adrian Peterson again. Like If it's going to be 20 to 25 touches of Peterson and, and 20 throws from Keenum, Sims doesn't make a lot of sense. However, he kind of fits that Anthony Miller mode, who was a mm-hmm. huge disappointment this past Sunday yeah. against the Chiefs. That that's the kind of slot receiver that if you're rolling the dice on a you know twelve or fourteen team league, he could end up being a huge playmaker for you if mm-hmm. everything works out to his advantage. Well, basically, let's just like uh, I don't know. Let's call. Let's go ahead and call the term the Cole Beasley line, right? Yeah, sure. He's kind of that wide receiver wins yes. above replacement type deal, you know. So I, I guess. To make that decision, Steve Sims or Cole Beasley this week. Cole Beasley did have 100 yards against the Patriots. 
Yeah, I, I guess I'd have to look ahead and see who the, the Bills played this week and, and really have an advantage. Like we get it, Cole Beasley mm-hmm. is kind of like the main Buffalo's home against the Jets. The total on that game is only 37, though. Uh, yeah, interesting. So Beasley's had six catches, six catches, four catches, one against the Steelers, then seven again against the Patriots. I think from a PPR perspective, I'd feel more comfortable giving a floor for Beasley, mm-hmm. but Sims gives me that upside. If I'm entering yeah. the matchup, like, oh, God, that. I'm going against Lamar and mm-hmm. Chris McCaffrey. I don't know what to do. I think I would rather have Sims in there as opposed to And the Beasley. Jets do have a pretty horrible pass defense, but again, you know, you throw a couple of quarters out of that, who knows how long that game's competitive. And the Bills can't. I mean, there's nothing the Bills can play for. They're already locked in as number five seed. They cannot win the division. It's possible that they might play it safe with Josh Allen and company and just mm-hmm. not do anything out there. I mean, that's more than likely why the over-under is so low because you're not getting anything from the Bills' offense even if all their starters are out there, and I don't know if they will be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is going to be, man, the uh, the seed that they end up with, man, whether it's the the Texans or Chiefs, like it's not going to be – it's going to be a very tough matchup for yeah, them. Yeah, I'm right and, there with Yeah, that's you. one that we definitely forgot about when uh, thinking about teams that don't have much to play for. Um, that's going to make me wonder what I'm going to do with Singletary and Stake League if he sits – yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, they choose to operate. Cause you know Frank Gore just needs his 15 carries for 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're dying Frank Gore was that. completely out of the mix this week, <laughs> finally. finally. So it's like, okay, hey, hey, we're doing it right. But I bet you we see a little bit of a Frank Gore return this up- upcoming week here. I did want to talk about Justin Watson, the wide receiver for the Buccaneers. We mentioned him briefly last week. It was Brashad Perriman, who was a huge advantage for a lot of people out there. But the Buccaneers, Jameis Winston giveth, he also taketh away as his five-interception game uh, allowed the Texans to win that. There was seven. Four or five. There's uh, so many. That... I, I lost track. It was <laughs> yeah, just a, yeah, there's he had so one many. call back and an interference. That's what I was thinking. Okay, of. there we go. Yeah. There were seven turnovers and a blocked field goal mm-hmm. in the first half. Yeah, the final tally is four interceptions. Let's see how many fumbles he had. Uh, um, I don't know if there's no fumbles in yeah. the game for Tampa Bay. So uh, it's because they couldn't help but throw it back to the Texans. And mm-hmm. there's a game ceiling interception too. There was also a pick six as usual from Jameis Winston. All this to say, yeah, you're you're relying on a lot if you're having to start Winston. However, I think the receivers, whether it be Perriman or Watson, actually makes some sense. Like I like Watson mm-hmm. more as a safety net over a guy like Steve Sims. For example, who could both be available? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think those guys. Uh, ooh, Watson or Steve Sims? That's an in- interesting one. Hopefully, you're not out there making that decision. Um, I was going to say we can make a board bet, and I yeah. guarantee you, I'll get the win. Well, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Way. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one way to guarantee that we give the right <laughs> advice there. Um, but yeah, both those guys are in play. Similar outlook here. Uh, you know, I guess I'd, I'd probably lean Sims a little bit because of the ceiling, but uh, but we'll see. Because I, although Watson's kind of came on a little bit, I still think he's third in the pecking order behind Perriman and, and OJ Howard, who had seven targets this past game. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll I think it's happens, fair sir. to say the Buccaneers will continue to pass the ball. Ronald Jones has been a disappointment at times; mm-hmm. other times he's been great. I don't know what I'm getting from the running attack. I do know that Watts or Winston's throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. I just did the Watson Winston thing that they yeah. did in the NFL Network. Did you yeah. Did you see that on Twitter <laughs> that they were they could not stop getting Watson and Winston wrong? It goes like four or five times. Jeez. Yeah, no, that no, that sounds awesome. But also, one way uh, <laughs> to ensure two Peyton Barber touchdowns is to throw Ronald Jones in your DFS oh, yes. lineups. That's yep. that's very true. Yeah, I've I've figured that out. That's like one one thing I've been yep. consistently good at is getting. Mm-hmm. Peyton Barber Day is correct when yeah. I have Ronald Jones start. And one uh, wide receiver I did want to mention as well, uh, Nikhil Harry, maybe not to pick up and start Week 17, but for any kind of keeper league, if you can pick him up for nothing. I'd imagine if mm. you're in any kind of dynasty format, he's possibly out there, but he might not be if, you only have, if you're only allowed two or three keepers and you can get a guy for nothing at this point point of the year he might he's someone i can definitely see the role growing uh his stock will go up i'm guessing during the playoffs 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. That's actually a great call. The he playoff yeah. here, yeah. He seems like the kind of guy that they would stash and keep a secret and then try to throw him out there and make him part of the game plan in the postseason. Did post you get a chance to watch any of that Patriots game on Saturday afternoon with the Bills? No, when I'm not at the office on a Saturday, I don't actually have the NFL Network oh, that, at home. That's, that's so fine. It, was, it was mostly a college basketball and, well, UFC way <laughs> early in the morning because of, of Korea. But, uh, right. So th- that was mostly it today, but I caught up on Game Pass as much as I could before they, the show. They used him in some creative ways, like ways you had not seen the Patriots use any wide receiver in the past couple of weeks. I was really impressed with how they were getting him involved. It reminded me a mm-hmm. lot of what the Packers should be doing with Aaron Jones as the number two essential receiver for the Packers, mm-hmm. getting him in space, doing some creative things on motion. I liked what two they got, got Harry and One of them went for 18 yards. So. Yeah, it was yeah. good. It was it was a lot of things out of the backfield that I was mm-hmm. surprised to see for Harry, who was yeah. kind of pigeonholed as a big body guy, mm-hmm. but he could do more than that. They could just him. be putting that on film to throw people off sure. for the playoffs, like the the double psychic bluff or whatever. <laughs> but um, there's, there's a there's a, some blind double bluff. I don't know. There's a word from a TV show I'm thinking of there. But no, uh, Harry is someone that will see his stock grow and is like if you do an ADP or if you do a best ball league, yes. right after right after the end of the regular season and one another one right after the Super Bowl, I think Harry's a guy that could move up 15, 20 picks. I want to spend some time on the top pickup wider receiver of the year because there are many, mm-hmm. many guys to choose from. DJ Chark probably got you to the fantasy playoffs. Fantasy championships sort of disappeared. Terry McLaurin was a consistent guy all throughout the year, but not really a bigger, bigger bust boom guy like DJ Chark. And then AJ Brown and Devontae Parker, if you got to the fantasy championships, they quite clearly won you the fantasy championship. Certainly mm-hmm. Brown didn't do much this past week, but he did have one big run and one big reception. That's really all you need. Is there one of those four or a different guy that you uh, would want to target as well? Man, I, I've just got a soft spot for Devontae Parker. I can't quit Your that dude. League, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he finally uh, he finally came through this year. I mean, he had that stretch from, from week four to week nine nine where he caught a touchdown pass in four of those five weeks which is kind of what got us on the radar and then uh you know he went a few games without a touchdown but then blew up in week 13 with seven for 159 and two touchdowns did get hurt the next game but you know again in the last two weeks three touchdowns 180 something yards like uh, I think the guy, as far as uh, consistency, he very rarely disappeared outside of that one game due to injury, and his impact in the playoffs. I tend to weight that a little higher. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just you could just call it recency bias too, if you wanted to. But uh, I think Devonte Parker's the dude, and if I got to pick any one of those guys to uh, to keep for next year, I think Parker would be the dude. Oh well, I see. Well, that's a different question entirely. I think AJ Brown is my keeper of the group, and it's it's mm-hmm. like hands down. Yeah, I guess it depends on what his role has been keeping, in that offense yeah. is crazy. But you do have to assume that Ryan Tannehill, uh, what his status will be as the quarterback for the Titans mm-hmm. coming back next year, that makes a difference. But it's clear, in my opinion, they they have built their offense now around two big burly guys: the Titans being Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. And I think Brown is going to be. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at this draft class and be like, wow four or five years from now, this is one of the better wide receiver classes there have been. Mm-hmm. There's so many rookie receivers, and we're not even including Marquise Brown, who was a hot waiver wire pickup throughout the first four mm-hmm. or five weeks. There's guys like... Um, he was purchased by yours truly at auction, though. So okay. I guess I, I guess in my head, I didn't think of him as a pickup. But for most standard leagues, I would say, yeah, probably. Yeah, or a guy like John Ross, um, before he got injured, was also available on a lot of different waiver wires as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually came back. I had no idea Ross's off injured reserve until I was watching the end of that 
Bengals uh, Dolphins game, like, oh my god, John Ross is mm-hmm. back. This is crazy. And I think I was talking to one of our, our listeners on Twitter about like, well, if you're way down because you had Lamar Jackson, yeah, I, I wasn't saying start John Ross, but like you want to look for John Ross types him. when you're way down in the projections, guys that could just you know get 200 yards and two touchdowns do with 80 percent of that coming from a couple big plays. But he'll be back on the radar next year, I would think. But There'll be question marks about whether he can stay healthy. So, and who's that quarterback too? I mean, this is the Bengals' number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Maybe you would feel less certain about John Ross, but that's a conversation that could probably happen uh, closer to August, as opposed to December. Mm-hmm. So, so are you going AJ Brown top pickup overall, or is he just your top <sighs> dynasty guy moving forward? I, oh man, I part of me wants to go with DJ Chark because you wouldn't have gotten into a position to be relevant without DJ Chark. And he was consistent for 12 weeks, despite playing with two different quarterbacks in an offense that featured Leonard Fournette for most of it. But I do think Devontae Parker needs to get that award for what he's done in the mm-hmm. past weeks. It's maybe it's a, what have you done for me lately? Fake top pick of the year award. But and I Parker, believe he got a real life award with the contract extension. Oh, as well. sure. Absolutely. He's played his way into one of the, one of the key pieces for a Dolphins team that for seven weeks, eight weeks, Looked like they had nothing. Mm-hmm. And now they actually have, whether it be Jasicki or Parker or maybe even Miles Gaskins, they have some things to work with on offense. That's got to mm-hmm. be a, a good, um, well, a, a good final line for a Dolphins team that was one of the worst entering the year. Mm-hmm. Four years, 40 million. That's a plenty fine piece for Devontae Parker. Yeah, let's go over the tight ends. Zach Ertz was playing with broken ribs in that pivotal, critical divisional win over the Cowboys. We don't know if he's going to tough it out this next week. That game week. I watched the entire way out, and the ribs injury to him, it looked. remember when Jordy Nelson got smoked going up for a catch in the playoffs? Yeah. It, it looked kind of like that. I mean, obviously, I missed, I missed Ertz has got a little hit. more, he's got a little more meat on his bones, but uh, I, I saw that and I was like, oop. His ribs got to be broken. And yeah, he still, I missed the hip. I saw him it. like the, the graphics that we've had with him grimacing even before getting off the line of scrimmage, things like that. I don't know. Like the Eagles. They need to win still to have a playoff spot, but you would imagine they should have this one wrapped up. And if that's the case, does Ertz play the entire time? Why not pivot to a guy like Dallas Goddard, who is 60% owned? But if you're in the fantasy championships week 17, you're probably able to pick him up or at least find him. And I think that's where mm-hmm. he's going to be a top five guy for me, I think, this week in a PPR yeah. format. I mean, he didn't really come on. He was always kind of in play as a touchdown dependent waiver wire guy sure, in our discussions. Sure, sure, sure. But he didn't really come on as a uh, as a as a top tier pickup until the playoffs had already started and a lot of people were gone because it was when that Philadelphia wide receiving core just got decimated and continued to take hit after hit after hit. Now Goddard is someone that uh, is absolutely in play for the fantasy playoffs, and he could sneak into the top eight, even top five tight end territory if they decide to hold Ertz out for any reason. I mean, Ertz tough through it on Sunday, but I mean, man, broken ribs, that's no joke. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Like, and you said top eight, I think, I think I'm having you higher, but that's more because there just isn't anybody left. Like, war of attrition for the Eagles' pass catchers. Boston Scott had to be another featured guy again. We've seen uh, Greg Ward kind of develop as the number two receiver, and he's had some prominent plays. He had the game-winning touchdown two weeks ago, was 80-plus receiving yards this past week as well. Like, that, that's that's impactful stuff. I think Goddard was really the true target for Wentz, the number one target after Ertz's injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right on. Uh, let's let's talk about O.J. Howard, too. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. We're discussing the tight end or for the Buccaneers overall. He did get seven targets. I don't know. Were you impressed with the yardage total that he had with those seven targets? Nothing crazy, but I, I just somewhere deep down, something in me still believes in his athleticism. And if he gets the opportunity, granted, it took the whole receiving court, court getting crushed. Right. But if he gets the opportunity and somehow then doesn't manage to screw up the opportunity after like five snaps, then 
then he's in play. I don't know. I he's surprised. a high ceiling guy, I still think, but there is a degree of risk there. I was surprised that Cameron Brait wasn't more involved. He had two catches, should have been a third on a critical dropped fourth down play that would have maybe set the Buccaneers up to win overall, but he dropped that one. 18 yards, I think, or something around there. Like it just, it was, wasn't, yeah, it was a bit special. of a mundane performance and I thought they'd have to utilize him. I doubt you're going to have to need to use Odalite. I doubt you're going to have to utilize OJ Howard. There's always the possibility. Yeah. Seven targets. That's not the worst thing in the world. Tyler Higby or Darren Waller is going to be an interesting conversation for the top pickup mm-hmm. at tight end because for like 10 weeks, Waller was one of the best tight ends overall, regardless of the fact he was available on waiver wires. And then Higby has come on real late. If we were giving the award to Devontae Parker for his postseason success, shouldn't the same thing apply for a guy like Tyler Higby? Yeah, I, I can see that case. And it really depends on what your criteria is because, yeah, Higby carried people through the playoffs, but Waller took people to the playoffs. And, and Waller actually finishes the number five fantasy tight end in half-point PPR scoring. It went, uh, went Kelsey, Andrews, Ertz, Kittle, and then Waller. And Waller, uh, you know, it really it, it it's makes deep statements about what Higby has been able to do because Waller, you know, 60 more fantasy points than Higby on the whole year, which doesn't seem like a lot on paper, but given the state of the tight end position this year, uh, you didn't really want to mess with anything outside that top five until Higby came along. So uh, Higby is a guy that uh, I actually noticed him sitting on waiver wire in uh, one of my leagues because the guys in the playoffs had their tight end position set. You know, that's a, that's a, pretty good example of carelessness wanting to you know make your roster the best it can be in the playoffs leaving him out there so uh was that your keeper league um no i don't think so uh, if it was that would be, yeah. be a good deal you know mm-hmm. like we don't know what gerald pick, everett's yeah. task is going to be for the Rams. pick him up for zero dollars and yeah that, that would have been awesome but uh but no yeah so he's in play i still think i give the award to waller but uh this one's super tight i think it's waller for me as well because other than hard knocks, we had no idea that Darren Waller was going to do this, whereas Higby's had some success in the past, mm-hmm. and we've been able to utilize Darren Waller for yeah. week one through week 12. Like yeah. It's a long stretch. Don't want to discount Higby too much for actually being on people's radar <laughs> at one point, True. but uh, but uh, no, you're right. That does make another point in the direction of Waller, and Waller is going to be, he'll be drafted, I don't know, fifth, sixth round next year. Yeah, the Hunter Henry OJ Howard range, that was fifth or sixth round this year. Mm-hmm. You could make a case, depending on how the Raiders improve or don't improve their pass catchers, that he could even be a third or fourth round selection. But I have to imagine John Mayock, uh, or yeah, you could call him that. That's a, a John Mayock. That, is that fine? Is that like a relationship couple that we can do for them? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mike Mayock and John Gruden. I think they're going to be active in trying to get pass catchers after Antonio Brown left. Hunter mm-hmm. Renfro's injury was surprisingly impactful for the Raiders passing attack. He came back this past week and did well. Yeah. I think you're right. Waller's probably a fifth or sixth round selection for mm-hmm. next year. But again, that's an August question that we are trying to answer in December. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. And we'll have a few more August August questions that try, trying to answer in December uh, early when we get to our mock. But you want to hit defenses real quick? Yeah, let's let's go to the defenses. Can we at least pat, pat ourselves on the back one more time? We had the Chiefs, Broncos, Panthers, two of the three you called and you called successfully this past week. I was in on the Broncos. You were too, but at least I can mm-hmm. give myself that one a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see who to target this week here with the Colts and going against Jacksonville, who have given up. I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say Tom Coughlin finally got fired. Maybe there's a morale boost from Jacksonville, but it looks like a bad team, Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and I just don't know what you're going to get yeah. from that defense. Well, I mean, the Chiefs offense. are running hot. If you if you 
put the Chiefs, I mean, uh, I don't know. Or Colts? Yeah, well, I was going to say like the Chiefs before that because we mentioned them last week. They've got oh, the yeah, Chargers yeah, yeah. at home this week, and uh, you know, not the greatest of implied total for the Chargers. They don't have a lot to play for, uh, so I could see still rolling with them. Um, but if you did want to, if you do need to make a change for any reason at all, like you said, uh, the Colts at Jacksonville, I just don't like that they're on the road and uh, don't really have anything to play for. Um, so when I was sifting through. I mean, the Cowboys are only 34%, and they get Washington at home, and they do have something to play for, and they're playing against Case Keenum. So uh, I think I would lean more towards the Cowboys this week as one of my top pickups here. And the Packers are another one. They're under 50% owned. That's the direction I would go. But if you were planning for the Week 17 Fantasy Championships, they should have been picked up already. Like, There's no way that somebody in Week 17 doesn't already roster the Packers mm-hmm. if you're getting there because you knew this 47% Lions 47% owned in Yahoo Leagues, yeah. You knew this Lions game was going to come down to the wire and be a seeding thing more than likely two or three weeks ago. Yep. So I have to imagine they're they're already owned. I mean, road team indoors are factors going against them, but the Lions implied total is, uh, well, I guess we don't have it. David Blau is all yet, I need to know just, for yeah. my, my Packers pick of this. That, that's like... I. I'm the Packers mm-hmm. pessimistic guy. Like I, I never <laughs> want to root the Jeez. for them. Right now, I mean, it's early, but for this December 29th matchup, the Packers are 10-point road favorites in a game where the total is 41.5. So December that should tell 29th, you all you need to uh, know. That, well, I was going to say December 29th is my birthday. So that's about the only time that the Packers ever do well is on my birthday game. So there you go. There you go. We lock it in. Packers defense are uh, going to do pretty well. Let's. Uh, we've been teasing it now for a little while. We're going to go to our first round mock draft. I'm excited to talk about it a little bit with you. Uh, planning for the 2020 season. Before we do that, though, I want to get one last word from our sponsors, Armchair Quarterback. Armchair Quarterback is the real-time game where you predict the next play during a live football broadcast. Do you know what the next play is going to be? Predict it and earn points, climb the leaderboard, and increase your chance to win tickets and other prizes. It's the perfect way to make watching games more exciting. We have a special league for all World Aware subscribers, although I don't know what's going to happen for the postseason. Normally, they target the Monday night games. I imagine they'll probably go for those Saturday-Sunday games for the postseason. Uh, the full schedule and game information is available at armchairquarterback.com armchair quarterback make every game bigger all right jake are you ready to do this are you ready Mm -hmm. to lose to me in our first round mock draft yeah i guess we can go through this a little bit we'll see what happens here um i did graciously agree to let you have the first pick and uh and to take the first layup of the day yeah the 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 biggest layup overall i should say um this is going to be full point ppr that's what we're looking at right now right or do you want to go half point we didn't half negotiate points, these terms. Half <laughs> point seems to be fair to split the difference, but I don't think it matters for the first pick, even if it's standard. I don't even think it matters for the first two picks, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey, given his record-setting performance, will be the number one overall pick in every every draft in August, barring mm-hmm. any injury. I don't care if they have me at quarterback. Christian McCaffrey will be the number one overall pick in every 2020 draft. Starting it now, get that layup going. I do think uh, the record-setting performance, and I do think he's going to get over 1,000 receiving yards as we close out the end of the season here, becoming mm-hmm. one of eight running backs, I think I read, that would get over 1,000 receiving yeah, yards. Yeah, I mean, the guys in LT, Sean Alexander, basically Marshall Falk, you know, you can, you can throw these guys out there, but he is elite this year. You're still alive, probably, if you if you had him. Right. Um, the guy is is matchup proof. He takes on all the snaps. Um, even with a crappy quarterback, he gets double digit receptions. So he is the guy. He's the stud. He's the fantasy MVP this year. And I see no reason, barring injury, uh, he even gets to rest for the playoffs, for the real life playoffs. So I see no reason, barring any kind of injury, that he would not be the number one overall pick in just about every single format, unless you're doing a two QB league. Yeah. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, number one off the board again, 12 teams. Uh, we'll be doing our, this is the 2020 early, early mock draft. Jake, I'll toss it to you. The yep. number two overall pick in the 2020 early mock draft. See, 
now you, you were you kind of had the hint from you here that you thought that maybe it I was an easy up. call. I'm trying to get in your head that you, that you think it's an easy call. <laughs> I don't think it's that easy of a call just yet. And I thought about this actually quite a bit, and that's part of the reason I wanted to take this call. Maybe if it's controversial, part of the reason I wanted to give you the layup for pick number one. But I think number two. Even though he let a couple owners down in some key places this year, number two for me has to be Saquon Barkley. We need to go back. Really? We need to go back to the Saquon Barkley train. Granted, the Giants front office, a little bit of a mess, but they have their quarterback now. They have wide receiving weapons, assuming they'll be healthy. Uh, I think Saquon Barkley is the guy. He's the entirety of their offense, and he showed he showed this week, once again, what he is fully capable of when healthy and he's properly in the game plan with a 40-point fantasy day. Now, there are definitely some other options that we can continue to go back and forth with here over these uh, next couple picks, but uh, right now, if I'm drafting for 2020, uh, you know, dynasty stuff aside, right, whether it's regular PPR, I think Saquon Barkley's still the dude. Oh, it's great. You made the wrong choice. That's great. All right. I, 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 can, okay. I, can, I can understand some of your logic. My concern, though, is why haven't they featured him more in the passing game? This past week was about the only time that Saquon Barkley has been the guy that we were drafting number one overall last year, and I just give don't them, get it. Give them, oh, again, maybe, maybe they don't deserve any optimism from me, but give them an offseason with this personnel setup, and you've got a 22-year-old kid, will be 23-year-old next year, with all the athletic ability in the world, probably the best, I'll, I'll call him the best pure athlete at the position. If he plays a 16-game season, man, with that supporting cast, uh, with that horrible defense, maybe they'll make some improvements. We'll see. No, they're not going to get that much better. Yeah, the defense <laughs> There's only so much you yeah, can Yeah, suddenly, yeah the, yeah, the defense isn't going to get that much better. So you mix all that up, you're going to have uh, the fantasy carnival of the New York Giants, and Saquon Barkley is going to be along for the ride. Game proof, similar to how McCaffrey was this year. All right, so McCaffrey, number one, you're wrong, but Barkley, number two. Okay, this, so if I'm wrong, then who's number well, three? Well, this is easy, very easy. Michael Thomas, half Ooh. point or full point PPR, needs to be the number three or number two overall picked in your draft since Antonio Brown like super heyday Antonio Brown we haven't had a receiver that's been this productive this consistent and you talk about Saquon Barkley being the only thing in the Giants offense I could disagree on that Michael Thomas very is or very clearly is the top option and one of the only mm-hmm. options for the Saints offense he's already set the record for most receptions in a season he won't do that again next year but even if he gets like DeAndre Hopkins level numbers uh 120 receptions 1200 plus receiving yards that's very good enough or very clearly good enough to be a, a consistent number one or, or mm-hmm. first round pick see i have i had michael thomas third on my list too so i can't trash that pick too much i think uh i think you're right there i wouldn't have gone as high as number two and maybe in the back of my head something was telling me not to go number two because here's a scenario for you probably not going to happen because of the packers getting in the way but let's say the saints <laughs> win the super bowl okay and drew Brees has all these records and decides to retire Great. Why not? He's in his 40s. Sure. Yeah. D- does does that change your outlook? See, I have I have uh, I actually have Elvin Kamara on this first round board here as well. Stop teasing. Um and and both of these guys change a whole lot if Breeze isn't their quarterback. We don't know what happens if Breeze retires and Peyton retires with him. What happened when Breeze was out? Throughout this yeah, pa- Teddy Bridgewater was pretty solid. So the system. I'll give you that. The system makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so long as you have a guy like Bridgewater or, I don't know, like Will Greer was awful. But uh, let's go with like Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen could do 70% of what, <laughs> what Teddy What if Tannehill Bridgewater, went over there? They, they could light things oh, up. Oh, God, that's going to be a record-setting offense. What are you talking about? Tannehill, yeah. is, All right. Tannehill is faith. Like, this so is I it. guess I guess for me, it's just like the stock market. And, I, and I'm and uh, i not so sure. And the uncertainty here makes me maybe a little bit uncomfortable when I shouldn't be. You're cushioning your answers be. too much. Stop okay. it. Like, I, I, I think that Michael Thomas is very clearly number three guy. 
guy, and we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Kamara goes, but he should be a first-round candidate, too, mm-hmm. regardless of what Bree's stats is going to be. Go exactly. over to four. Go over All to right, four. so number to four, again, this is maybe a conservative pick, but I think it's the correct pick, and I see the environment being a little more favorable for this next season. Uh, with the fourth overall pick in our mock, I'm going to take Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys. That offensive line, still good. They'll have a new coach um, that'll hopefully be able to utilize him a little bit better. Keep going to him on early downs and getting him involved in the passing game. Ezekiel Elliott, number four overall. I'm taking that safety. Whereas Saquon Barkley was an incorrect number two selection, I think you're right on board with Ezekiel at number four. Um, I'll get to it. I think it's a good comparison. Delvin Cook will be my number five guy. But the difference between the two is Ezekiel Elliott is almost consistently and always there to play. Delvin Cook might have the higher upside and the bigger focus, which is crazy to think Mm -hmm. about for Zeke, the bigger focus of the offense. But he is hurt, and we've seen it now consistently, Delvin Cook, in his career. We just can't rely on him. I think Ezekiel Mm -hmm. Elliott, as the number four overall pick in the half-point PPR league, is crazy to think about. Like David Johnson was most people's consensus number four this year. So you think about the depth that we're having right now where Delvin Cook or Zeke mm-hmm. could be number four, number five. It's very clear that we've had more guys emerge as very consistent options. And while this is a down season for Zeke, I think the head coach change, which is expected should happen, could make a big difference for what Zeke could do. And I would not be surprised at all if 2021, now we're talking really, really, really early first-round mocks, is a guy that gets up to that number one or two stats overall. Mm-hmm. All right, so if we're going to go Cook number five, I'm just going to do it, man. Lamar Jackson, number six. Oh, I was it's wondering time. if you'd sneak in the it's first time. It's time. I actually had him uh, five on my power rankings just ahead of Cook, but uh, but that's okay because I'll take Jackson at this point. I mean, again, I am very anti-first-round quarterback, so this is a huge yes. leap for me. I am super anti-first-round quarterback. Even Mahomes didn't live up to it, um, but this is different. This is different because of the Russian ceiling. You have, uh, again, there, I, I presume there will be some kind of injury risk, um, and you're going to have to stomach that, but I don't see any more risk with Lamar Jackson than I have any of these other running backs on my board coming up. Um, generational talent, I'll completely ride that hype train and uh, take him at the sixth spot. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. I re- very clearly remember us talking about Mahomes and saying, it's a reach to take him in the second round this year. Mm-hmm. And here I am saying, yeah, Lamar Jackson should be a first-round pick in 2020 early-round drafts. I don't know if i take him six. I think there's a few other running backs that i go a little bit higher. I looked at there's, – there's a group of running backs that you could take, but I, I don't know if it's because we're just doing a draft here in, in December, but – I, I feel like he's a little bit he's a little bit safer given the RB bus in the first round this year. And and people are and you're going to hear people coming out of the woodwork and those are the same people that were uh, shitting on uh, Lamar Jackson when he was initially drafted. Oh, he's going to get hurt. They're you know RG three all over again stuff like. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. This is a guy that is more elusive and fast and able to avoid those mm-hmm. big hits, save for the Browns one this past week, than any quarterback I've ever seen. And what he gives you as a floor, as a rusher, in the offense with Greg Roman now yeah. calling plays, I he he's, needs to be in that conversation. He's closer to Russell Wilson than RG3. RG3 couldn't stop taking hits. Russell Wilson is evasive enough to avoid those hits. And I put Lamar Jackson closer on the Ru- Russell Just Wilson Just imagine spectrum. if they have a second receiver. Like, they have Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. That's great. Mm-hmm. What if they get a second guy? And it's entirely possible they do, whether it be free agency or draft, to make things even easier. Lamar Jackson took incredible mm-hmm. steps. As a passer in his second year, what can he do in Well, in that three? backfield, Ingram, Edwards, uh, Justice Hill. I mean, Hill isn't going anywhere. I don't know Edwards' contract off the top of my head. But, yeah, that, that's loaded. I think uh, they're going to compete for the top offense and continue to be one of the historic offenses. So that was Lamar Jackson at pick number six out of our 12-pick our first-round mock draft. I mm-hmm. think at number seven, 
we've already went through uh, Christian McCaffrey. Saquon Barkley was number two. We had uh, was it Zeke? No, no, no. It was um, Zeke was four. It went. Uh, we went C Max, Saquon, Michael Thomas, Michael Zeke, Thomas yeah. Delvin Cook, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. So at number seven, I want to go back to Elvin Kamara. I think it's going to be obviously a safe play. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a lot in, or at least his value rise a lot. In the postseason here, we got this past week now, finally a get-right game for Kamara. His influence or lack thereof in the red zone is going to be a question mark. You talk about what's going to happen with if Drew Brees were to retire. We have no idea whether or not that mm-hmm. occurs. Who knows? They might lean more on the run game. Well, that's what I'm going to say. And, and is Taysom Hill really going to be a 6-8 to eight touchdown guy again if Drew Brees is out? I don't mm-hmm. know. Like It's it's yeah. really tough to decide that. And I think Kamara is an uber-talented player. He got injured. That doesn't normally mm-hmm. happen, we've seen from his career. Yeah. This is a scenario where, in at least a PPR, half-point mm-hmm. PPR, I like him. As and he's the perfect player. example where you talk about touchdown regression being a good thing you look at the type of touches and volume he takes compared to the amount of touchdowns that he scores people have a negative connotation with the word regression a lot of times but uh in this case it means he'll actually score more touchdowns so i think that's exactly where i put it we're on the same page there i had kamara over my next pick which you know i hate going with browns but uh nick chubb i still think Right back to where he was this, this past August. Exact in that, in that spot in his draft, range, and yeah. I would still and I would still make that same pick once again. Here, um, here I like it a lot more. Yeah. A lot more. And why mm. is that, Jake? Do well, you know why? I, you have a different reason than mine, but I assume Baker will get better, and I assume they'll have a different coach. It's because Kareem Hunt is not going to be there. Kareem Hunt has played his way, I think, into a better contract as a starting running back mm-hmm. somewhere else. That's a conversation, a different yep. conversation. People forget, forget about the DV stuff by the time he's ready to sign another contract and be ready Chubb to pay him. can be a receiver, and that was the big detriment that I have, that what Hunt would do as a receiver or running back when he came back and why I didn't want to take Chubb in the 6-8 to eight range in the first round. That's gone now, and Duke Johnson's gone as well. I can't imagine they're going to go ahead and invest more resources with as much as they need at the offensive mm-hmm. line. Especially when else. they've got a guy, an elite talent like Chubb on a rookie contract. He should get Ezekiel Elliott volume next he, year. He, and if he does, he's at least going to be, he could be the McCaffrey of that year. Like I, I know it's bold mm-hmm. to say after how bad the Browns have been and how the Browns always do Brown stuff every single year. But Chubb is an mm. otherworldly talent and yeah. and could be a difference maker next year. At all the spot. preseason media tours, I went all everyone at when they'd ask for a really bold take, I went with Chubb. And I think that I'm not wrong. I'm, it was just a year early. Can I can I dance a little bit? I have Lamar Jackson as my bold take. That, that was that <laughs> was the, I'm the Lamar Jackson guy for most of my radio spots. All right. So we want Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Michael Thomas, Kamara, Delvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Lamar Jackson, all off the board. I think for my next pick, we're gonna go back to receiver. I'm going DeAndre Hopkins, especially in a half-point PPR. I sniped him right before he yep. looks like. Yeah, I swear you uh, you saw my list because, uh, you know, a couple spots out of order, but had that pick been mine, I'd have gone with DeAndre Hopkins as well. Uh, he was, you know, the consensus, like, third overall pick this year. Yes. If you didn't want to make the Kamara-McCaffrey uh, decision, obviously this burned you, but if you didn't want to make that decision, you ended up taking DeAndre Hopkins and, and had a lot of catch-up work to do after the first couple weeks, but started to get regular DeAndre Hopkins down the, road, down the stretch. Uh, I still think he's young enough. I still think he's talented enough. Um, what we're really asking is see the number two receiver after Michael Thomas this next year, and I think and I agree with you. I think the answer is I yes. I think it's yes, but it's going to be close. And I'm curious. This is the part. Like when I was projecting out the the twelve round first round mock draft, 
after this point, I thought there was a lot of deviation. And frankly, it reminded me a lot of last year where we were deciding, okay, after the first eight or so, especially with Zeke and his suspension thing, he was kind of like the fringe eighth point. Mm-hmm. Who ends up being this year's Delvin Cook, a late first round pick in 2020? Uh, or yeah, like the 2020 draft. Like who could fit that criteria for mm-hmm. you? Yeah, for me next up, I've got Aaron Jones of the Packers. Aaron Jones, all right, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I think the Russian receiving combo really does it for him. Um this might be touchdown regression in a bad way because he's got 17 touchdowns through 14 games. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to keep that up exactly, but I think he'll continue to be a very productive player for the Packers. Give him a second year in the LaFleur system, who definitely is going to have to continue to focus on the run game as Aaron Rodgers gets older and just because of the kind of coach that he is. So I think his touchdowns, his volumes, pretty sh- safe. If uh, if it weren't for a viable secondary option like Jamal Williams, he could easily be up in the top five. But I think having that competition around brings him down towards the end of that first round. Yeah, I see, we're at nine, I right? see yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're at nine. I I have him at ten actually. So I think we're at ten. Okay. But um but I could see him that's about the ceiling where I'd take him, but I could I bet you he's gonna go at the turn in a lot of drafts. I and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some helium that occurs much like we saw with Nick Chubb in August of two thousand nineteen here where mm-hmm. you, you see them rise a little bit more because yeah, you're right, the touchdown volume is basically the only thing, but you could offset that by just getting the ball more, just mm-hmm. allow him to get 70 to 75% of the carries. And Oh, look at that. You're, I mm-hmm. mean, like if, if Aaron Jones got uh, what we expect to be Ezekiel Elliott or Nick Chubb number or carries in 2020, he is going to be a top three back. Like he could mm-hmm. be on that level. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. The only, yeah. The other thing is he's had more than 20 carries just once this season. Exactly. You know, he had 19 against the Cowboys in that four touchdown game, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, so that's the thing. The volume hasn't been there, but there's the touchdowns will probably go down, but the volume still has window to increase if, if his five nine stature can endure that, endure that workload, which, you know, he's seen no, shown us no reason to suggest that he can't at this point. With the 11th overall pick and one of my, my very last selection of the first round of our very early 2020 mock draft, I'll give you one more receiver, Julio Jones, especially in a half-point PPR league. If this is a dynasty format, he could I could see him sleep, slip out of the late first round spot. But if we're talking about just season-long formats, Julio Jones has to be in that conversation. Matt Ryan continues to be inevitable. The Falcons' offense continues to be inevitable. And who knows how good they're going to look when Dan Quinn is eventually gone. Like They could go to an offensive coordinator or one of those hot coaches from college, and that might make even a world of a difference for Julio Jones, who is and will be one of the best receivers of all time, I think, by the end of his career. He's mm-hmm. already near that conversation, but give me two, th- two or three more years of what I think Julio can be, yep. and that's going to be right near the Jerry Rice, Randy Moss territory, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So going to the 11th pick, I think uh, you know I had a, a receiver rank. Uh, I had a receiver that's five years younger, ranked ahead of Julio. We'll see if uh, I can save him for uh, for the last pick or some honorable mentions here. But uh, I still had one running back ahead of both of those guys, and that was uh, the 25 year old. Derrick Henry with his uh, back-to-back seasons of double-digit touchdowns um, got a little bit more involved in the passing game 200 yards and two receiving touchdowns obviously missed this game but uh, this guy I mean 6'3 250 this guy's a bruiser um, I don't see him you know with super serious injuries there's some questions about the personnel and the quarterback play around him Um but after a season like this, I have a tough time letting him get past the turn. Yeah, that's a good one. And and I, I guess like if you're stacking teams, you think about this again, Delvin Cook was what you were able to do. And mm-hmm. you could maybe get a Devontae Adams or a Michael Thomas or Julio Jones in that turn this past mm-hmm. August. 
Derrick Henry coupled with maybe a George Kittle or Derrick Henry coupled mm-hmm. with another Devontae Adams again, that would make a pretty formidable team at that at that 12 spot, especially if he continues to even be 80% of what we see from this Titans offense right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, can, he falls into that tier, and I, I definitely don't want to spoil any of your picks, but he falls into that tier of like, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, and you know maybe Mark Ingram, Joe Mixon, those types of guys. But I think uh, Derrick Henry is very close to the tier above that, at the very least at the top of that tier, Henry's, which is why I, I put him there. Henry's above that for me. Like If I was to consider any other running back in the first round, it's Todd Gurley. And even then, I, I need to see what the Rams offseason is going to be. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was going with the safer pick from Julio Jones. Uh, and then you know mm-hmm. you go from there. So Fair enough. So round it out? George Kittle. George Kittle. George Kittle right becomes my my first and only ever tight end selection in the back of the first round. I think uh, what we've seen for the 49ers offense, I don't know if Emmanuel Sanders is back or not. I know that Kittle will be the guy for the 49ers, and I like him as mm-hmm. my very last pick of the early, early 2020 yep. draft. I draft. did write down and slash or tight end at the very bottom pick um, because I think that's the first 12 overall, similar with Kelsey this year, 12 yes. overall. If you're going to go tight end, this would be an acceptable place to do it. But I alluded to that receiver five years younger than Julio that's higher on my board. That's three kill with a full year mm. and the best pure passing quarterback. Um, uh, you know, th- there was that injury that caused him to miss uh, those, a, a couple of games this year, weeks two through five. But, um, you know, with all of the NFL investigation in the past, yeah. he's a 25-year-old who is by far the fastest man in the NFL. Uh, maybe there's someone hiding there that's better than him, but at least the fastest fantasy-relevant man in the NFL. Um, his per-game stats continue to be outstanding. Um, we know he's got double-digit touchdown potential, and uh, you put it over a full 16 games, he's going to get you massive big plays especially if your league does any bonuses for big yeah, plays those type of saying. thing that would put him over the over the top um maybe a better standard receiver than a ppr receiver due to he's the big play past that point though too like tyree mm-hmm. kill isn't just a speed transcendent he's a will yep. fuller he's gotten now where he's an everyday guy that gets five mm-hmm. to eight catches a game and can do crazy yeah. things with those that's that's i'm, pre- I'm looking at the 2018 stat line in which he had 87 catches for almost 1500 yards and 12 touchdowns with 22 carries for 151 yards right. and a score in there. Um, again, it's not like he suddenly passed his prime or anything like that. It's not like Mahomes suddenly is less good. Um, and he's Mahomes is going to be an MVP candidate for you know each of the next five, six years. So that's not going anywhere. Tyreek's only 25 years old. Distractions in the past. He would be one of my guys to round out the round. That would be that, that one's a pretty good one. And I think the only other guy that I was considering is a late first-round guy. Maybe mm-hmm. this is more of a, a helium play as we get through the, the offseason is Josh Jacobs. I wonder what the Raiders' offense is going to do, especially the guys that they acquire. I really mm-hmm. do think they're getting more receivers. Darren Waller was one of our honorable yeah, mentions there. I can I see that. Jacobs could be a like the 14th or 16th overall pick in a half-point PPR league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could put him in there. I'm trying to think of any other honorable mentions. Uh, again, Gurley doesn't make my first round, but Kittle, like you said, certainly does, and Hill does. Um <laughs> We'll see what Seattle does with the running back position. Leonard Fournette could maybe sneak into that mix. Um, you know, if Joe Mixon has or I'm sorry, Joe Mixon could, but I don't see them getting better fast enough. Uh, Mark Ingram, but yeah, looking down this list, I'm not seeing any other names that are are that clearly uh, deserving of a first round pick. So I think we hit the guys that we got to worry about. Yeah, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin could be in that conversation too, since I seem to be the receiver target of this. But I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to see what happens with the Buccaneers offseason and, and if Jameis Winston comes back and everything else. So Yeah, we tried to not take offseason 
you know speculation too, too far yeah. into this because we do have two saints in our top right. in our in our first round and maybe maybe it doesn't matter but i think I'm we hit worried. all the names if you're starting a best ball draft now those that's what your first round is going to look like yeah this was a fun exercise i'm glad that we were able to do this and, and certainly to round out our very last podcast together during the nfl season there's not a guarantee that we won't be back though uh we've talked about a few other off-season podcasts that we mm-hmm. could do and of course john mckechnie and mario puig do a great job throughout the entire year doing nfl podcasts every once yeah. in a while i sit back so. and munch my popcorn and watch mario and john go to town on draft content oh, they are, gr- they are I, great. they're, they're some great of the best stuff. in terms of uh in terms of finding draft eligible guys uh, and putting the fantasy slant on it. Like James does an awesome job with the prospects in yes. baseball because you can see top prospect lists anywhere, but uh, you know, he's someone that actually gives you useful fantasy info. These guys do the same thing on the football side and it's brilliant to watch yeah, out for. We're, we're spoiled. I mean, we're just two talking heads here giving you a free agent pickups, but John and Mario do the dirty work each and every year. They, I think will be back to talk a little bit of the game recaps and previews for week 17. I don't think Jeff will be uh, able to do the Wednesday podcast. So your next road mm-hmm. podcast uh, John Amari doing a great job recapping Week 17 action. That does it for us, though. Yeah, I so with thank that, you. yeah, just thanks, everyone, for listening all year. And I uh, want to wish a Merry Christmas to all our listeners. If you have Week 17 dilemmas, happy to help you out on Twitter. Otherwise, uh, yeah, don't be strangers, and we'll hope to see you back here in 2020. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us, and best of luck. If you are in a Week 17 league, leave it next year. But best of luck to your fantasy championships. And again, thanks, everyone. Happy holidays, and uh, best of luck to you in the future. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.